into the next episode of Run Talk SA. I'm Brad Brown. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, boy, have I got a treat for you as far as guests go. Uh, I'll tell you who that is in just a moment. But don't forget, uh, our next Comrades Marathon webinar is taking place. We're publishing this podcast on Monday, the 3rd of November. The next webinar takes place tonight at 8 p.m. South African time with myself, uh, Brad Brown, and Lindsay Parry. So uh, you've got an opportunity to register if you're downloading this and listening to it on the day that it is published all you need to do is go over to runtalksa.co.za forward slash comrades okay it's runtalksa.co.za forward slash comrades uh, register join us tonight and uh, you can get all the info on that page as well we will be uh, having a video replay you can also download the audio after the fact if it doesn't work in the time zone that you're working but we look forward to helping you on your comrades journey as well it was a pretty interesting weekend this weekend as far as marathons go three big city marathons uh, the first one the shanghai marathon in uh, china congratulations to south africa stephen mccorker uh, winning that so great start uh, to the city marathons on sunday for south africa and then uh, it was the nike soweto marathon which took place uh, in soweto it was great to have that back on the calendar after all the wranglings last year it didn't happen uh, and by all accounts pretty good one or two little issues obviously uh, as there always is in a big race like that but i think they're definitely well on track uh, disappointing, uh, to say the least, with regards to Elroy Gallant. Uh, I mean, that's no one else's fault but his own. Uh, ends up running the 21, wins it, but doesn't have a number and a chip on. Uh, as a professional athlete, you should know better. Uh, Elroy, unfortunately, not going to get the prize money on that one. Uh, and uh, the men's and ladies race in the 42, dominated by the East Africans. So... Uh, yeah, definitely uh, one to watch in the future. We'll see how that pans out in the years to come. And then the New York Marathon, uh, late last night. South Africa's Lusapo April mixing it up with the best in the world. Uh, ended up finishing 11th overall in the end. Slow times in general, but uh, yeah, very cat and mousey, uh, the New York Marathon this year. I don't think the weather conditions and the wind helped, but uh, great race nonetheless. Always a fantastic, fantastic race. And how was that women's race? Absolutely superb. Let's get into this week's episode of Run Talk SA. I caught up with an absolute legend of South African running. He's in the country at the moment uh, on a bit of a book tour. He's written a book called The Runaway Comrade. He's probably uh, the most unluckiest guy, or the best runner, I should say, never to have won the Comrades Marathon. Finished second behind Bruce Fordyce. Uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful chat with Bob Delamotte, and that's up next. <laughs> We chat about the Comrades Marathon often here on the show, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome our next guest on. Bruce Fordyce, the nine-time winner, says he was the most ferociously determined athlete he ever met, and probably one of the most unlucky never to have won the Comrades Marathon. Bob Delamotte, welcome onto the show. Thank you so much uh, for your time today. Oh, thank you, Brad. It's my absolute honor and pleasure to be on your show. <laughs> Bob, it's, it's great to have you back in South Africa. You've been living in Australia for, for many, many years now, but you've written a, a book, and we'll chat about that for a moment. But uh, sort of talk to us a little bit about your, your running at the moment. Are you still ticking over, or are you, are you still running? Yeah, well, I ran, I turned 60 this year. You know, the, the clock shows no mercy or grace for anyone, and uh, I ran Boston Marathon as a 60-year-old in honor of Mike Blake, as he was kicked out of the race in 1985 as a Coloured South African, and he, he he was denied an opportunity of winning that that eighty five Boston overwhelmingly because uh, Jeff Smith, the English runner, won it in uh, two fourteen. Plykis came home and he won the SA champs in two oh eight. So Plykis could have won, won six in a row. 
That was my, my motivation to get running again as a 60-year-old because literally between the age of 50 and 60, uh, at the age of 50, I did Ironman, which I really enjoyed. I did 10.30 and qualified for Kona, uh, but it introduced me to cycling. And I spent the next decade, I cycled well over 100,000 kilometres, firstly on the road and then mountain biking, including Cape Epic and Crocodile Trophy and some uh, events that make comrades look quite easy. So, yes, it's lovely to be running again. I've enjoyed my running over the last 18 months, enjoyed running with the groups in Cape Town and around Joburg and uh, around the rest of the country over the next few weeks. Brilliant. Well, let's talk about why you're in South Africa. You've written a book called The Runaway Comrades, uh, and you, you're on a, a bit of a book tour at the moment. Tell us how this book came about. Obviously, Comrades was was a big part of your life, and, and I mean, you, you were smack bang in the middle of the Bruce Fordyce era, and, and he was just phenomenal back then. I mean, you, you broke the Comrades record and still didn't win Comrades. So uh, it, it was a, an interesting time to, to be racing, particularly at the level you were running at, and uh, you just came up against someone who was a phenomenal competitor. Yeah, well, I think it worked both ways. You know, he wouldn't he wouldn't have broken those records if I wasn't there, and I wouldn't have run the times if he wasn't there. So, you know, you, you like in tennis, if there's a great five-set final in Wimbledon, it's a great final. And, you know, running second is not altogether bad. Look at Alana Mayer at the Barcelona Games when she, she didn't win, but she ran a second place that I think won the recognition and respect of, uh, of sports people around the world. So... Yeah, I got a good shot, and Bruce won. That's the bottom. <laughs> bottom line is he beat me. Uh, you can't reverse that. And uh, um, you know, for me, it was very much a, uh, a weekend hobby. I mean, I was a full-time chartered accountant, partnering KPMG. So I was with three kids and running with mates early in the morning and on the weekend. So I guess, in a way, my result was quite astonishing, given I was up against a full-time professional. On the other hand, someone had said to me. You can have seven days a week to focus on the comrades and nothing else. I would have had zero motivation to, to do that. So my running helped my career enormously, and it, it was the, the ideal blend for me. So, yeah, and, you know, as to, you know, Bruce, I think, you know, full marks, the guy was unbeatable, like bulletproof, invincible, and there have been very few athletes in the world that can you know, defend the title year after year after year the way he did. So, um, yeah, no, it's... Um, uh, just one of those things you know you can't choose your timing <laughs> yeah and unfortunately i guess not bob t- tell us a little bit about the book how it came about okay the book well uh, it must have been about a couple of years 2011 i think a south african journalist Dwayne heath uh tracked me down in perth and he was researching the obviously the 25th anniversary of the 1986 legendary run of four dice and we had a handshake with 14k to go and then the dice was on and we both ran both broke the record and in uh, researching that event, Dwayne actually revealed a whole lot of stuff about the African black athletes. For example, the death of uh, Vincent Rucker, Vincent Gabashana Rakabele, who was the first black runner to win. He ran unofficially in the Comrades in 1974, but really to the, uh, the standing ovation, the overwhelming support of all spectators and you know, athletes are wonderfully... Uh, fair-minded people and I think very supportive and encouraging of anyone who who, who participates. So Rakabelli had an amazing reception. He then went on to a gold. 1976, he was the first black winner of two oceans and uh, in a new record. So, and he was one of the, you know, he really underwrote that event as the personality, the big smile of uh, Rakabelli. And he just disappeared. And in 2009, Dwayne Heath, the journalist, uh, went to enormous lengths to research what had happened to Vincent. And he found out he had died in 2003. 
So, phew, I mean, it's, it's astonishing that an iconic figure like Vincent, who did so much uh, to smooth racial tensions in South Africa and was such a gracious winner of many events beyond the two oceans, just disappeared ignobly from the South African scene. So we started exchanging emails and I started sharing some of my amazing uh, experiences and friendships with great black athletes in South Africa at the time. And he said to me, you should write. I thought, well, no one's ever said I should write. So I started. And that's, <laughs> that germinated the concept of the book. So it's not a sporting bio. It's not a, a training manual. It's not a book that will tell you how to run a faster comrades. It's just a kind of... A tale of what I've experienced uh, and with great fortune and really good fortune. So, you know, it covers my youth in South Africa, the running, uh, the chicken run to Australia and then visiting South Africa in the 20 years, almost annually every year since the, the uh, democratic South Africa. So that's the story. And the objective is to, I guess, try and tell a little bit about some of the great people I have met. Yeah. Bob, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I've run a, a few comrades myself now, but I, I grew up in a comrades household. My dad has, has, has a permanent number. He's, he's run 11, and, and he was running at the same time in, in the 80s when, when those great battles were, were taking place between yourself and Bruce Fordyce. And as a, as a young Stan, I was very young at the time. I mean, I obviously didn't realize what was going on in, in the country at that time. But the Comrades was, was quite an interesting race uh, and event. And, and, and in, in the sense that if, if you think about everything and, and the segregation that was going on in the country at the time, it was a, a very interesting uh, microcosm of South African society that... It, it, it didn't matter what you, your station in life was, what you did for a living, everyone was equal. And I think that's one of the things I love about Comrades. Yeah, I think I've, for that reason, I've dedicated my book to the Comrades because, <clears throat> excuse me, it certainly was the one day of the year that all South Africans behaved the way they truly could behave. And South Africa revealed its very best. Well, there were millions of people who didn't agree with what was happening in the country at the time. And the government was, by any measure, the most demonic government in the history of civilization. And yeah, that's the past. But my book records what the real situation was in at the time. And four guys like Isaiah Chale, he won two oceans on debut, he won JSE on debut, he won Corky on debut, he won nine Comrades gold medals. Um, he was a sub 530, he was the third, the second runner to break 545 on the upper after four dice, and he was the fourth runner to break 530. Very few have broken 530 and not won. And today he's a impoverished, driver living in Tembisa doing a really, really humble job at the age of 60. But, you know, on the day, in the context of Comrades, and it still is, I watched the, the uh, Comrades streaming this year live in Australia, and it is absolutely magnificent as it was in the 80s. So I think it's one of South Africa's most iconic national treasures because people do, you know, they just behave wonderfully, and that's what society is all about, you know, fair go, opportunity. You know, unfortunately, I think some of the guys from the 80s have not who, who really, they were as brave as the Walter Sassoulis and the Nelson Mandela's who were banned. These guys were running at enormous risk within their own communities and at the risk of being seen to be supporting a, a white regime, but they didn't. And whenever there was never an incident for these black champions, whether it was Matthews, Matsuara to Lupin Fowl, Matthews, Tamani, Kenny Jacobs, the, the list is ends, Gibbon Mashaba, Sepewe Kwele, uh, these guys won in devastating times, and they won with grace and dignity and big smiles. So, yep, I think they they, 
they're kind of the forgotten uh, heroes of that era, and uh, it would be wonderful if we could kind of resurrect a bit more recognition for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bob, sitting obviously, you, you're living in 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 Perth in in Australia now. You you do yes. you do come back very often. But looking in from the outside, looking at South African athletics, I mean, I think back to those times in the '80s. Uh, we had some incredible runners, whether they were black or white. I mean, we just we were producing world class athletes. And the sad thing is, because of what was happening, many of them couldn't perform on. On, on the global stage, looking at what's happening in South African athletics now, well, what's your take on, on the way things are, are panning out? Well, well, Brad, I can comment on what I experienced in the 80s, but I'm in no position whatsoever to comment on the state of affairs as it currently stands in South Africa, and it would be awfully impolite or inappropriate of me to say anything in any event. But in the 80s, not forgetting, uh, the Comrades in Athletics was virtually the biggest show in town. There were, there were two sports, the Curry Cup and road running, because... South Africa had been banned from every form of competitive sport globally, except for tennis and surfing or Formula One racing. So, you know, there was a huge focus and emphasis on uh, running. And I, I have no doubt that kind of the, the, the sheer human insult of apartheid actually was a massive motivation incentive for any black runner to say, look, I'm as good as any other guy in this country. I'm as good as any athlete and just watch me perform. There was this huge incentive running for pride, you know, and and not forgetting there was a bit of cash. So you know, if you won two oceans, it was two fifty rand or five hundred rand, and that was more than a month's wages. So there was cash on on, on the table at uh, you know most of the, in fact, all the races except comrades, and the performances were sensational. As to what's happened today, well, you know, the world is your oyster. Everyone is spoiled for choice. Um, I think the last the last superhuman effort we saw uh, and I'm not detracting from you know, wins at Berlin and like William Mattel at New York but uh, Josiah Sogwani's win in uh, the 1996 Atlanta Games uh, at the time he was earning 480 rand a month on the mines and the government had put up 150,000 rand incentive for any South African athlete who got a gold medal so when he was two k's from the end and the Kenyan and Korean he was running with, the three of them were in the lead group, and they sort of hesitated to, to get a drink. And Josiah actually jumped a, sh- a small gap, and effectively his effort to hold that gap to the finish of the race was worth 26 years' worth of wages. So, you, you know, it's hard to contextualize the, the real incentive of a South African athlete who's financially impoverished and has had absolutely nothing and suddenly in front of him, he's got the opportunity to win 26 years worth of wages, and that's what it was. He's a world-class athlete, but boy, there's a huge character for him to uh, uh, to win, and he did. You know, he would have won on his hands. The guys, the black guys I talked to say it was the same with Rakabele and then Magawani in Two Oceans when they ran the 305 records, because when Rakabele did that, there was a, an Uno, a motor car. <laughs> no, no race had ever put a motor car up for a record. Then when Nagawana broke that record, there was a PW Passat. And it was just huge. It was worth, it was like winning lotto. Um, so those were the incentives and the, um, the, the, the issues I was aware of in the 80s. As to today, I think there's still world-class performances coming out of South Africa. Um, but, you know, there's structures and people and management and there's choice. There's a lot more global competition. South African athletes can go and run Marathons anywhere in the world on any weekend. So when do you save your, your best effort? Uh, what, how does your life change if you win an Olympic gold? I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, 
It's for someone else to comment on the town side of affairs, I'm afraid, right? Yeah. You, you mentioned in the book as well that uh, the, the book's about your, your life growing up in South Africa, and, and you said the chicken run to Australia. What, what made you leave, Bob? Well, the, the government, 1987. I had a great dinner with Mark Plague the evening before uh, Boston this year, and Mark and I, I hadn't seen Mark since 1987. We ran thousands of kilometres together in South Africa, and I, Mark really was responsible for my quantum improvement in running. He taught me such basic things and was so generous with his advice. And Mark and I said, well, Mark, if we had known in, uh, when, in 87 and 88 when we both left that Nelson Mandela was going to be released in 1990, would we have left? And we both said, no, we would have stayed. But in the context of South Africa at the time, I mean, take 1976, uh, Soweto was absolutely erupting. It was a, it was a volcanic eruption of, of legitimate human uh, demand for just right and legitimacy, and people were being shot mercilessly. I mean, we, we see high-profile celebrity mur- murders or tragedies in South Africa today, and there's mass media interest, etc. But South Africa in the 70s and the 80s were tragic, absolutely tragic killing fields. And I'm not, I'm not trying to replay our broken records. That was the reality of the country. That's the history of the country. And um, I hung in as an optimist and I hung in and I did all I could. I, I was not prepared to be a conscriptee as I was. I was a young guy, young white South African, who the government could send up to Angola on a mission to go and kill the enemy. Well, who was the enemy? So I had three young daughters in South Africa and I was not prepared to have them grow up in an environment that was just so unjust. So that was the basis for my uh, leaving South Africa. At the time, I had the most amazing career. I had just the most wonderful family. I had a, a group of friends that are irreplaceable, and I have a South African heritage. So it was it tough? It was beyond description. It was just, if anyone's done it, they know just how hard it is. So, yeah, that was the decision. All right, and, and, and looking back, particularly at your running days uh, here in South Africa, have you got any regrets? Oh, no, I had some... Um, Goodness me, I had you know, I had some great wins. I had I probably never ever thought you know, my, my intention was to run one comrades, which I did in nineteen eighty one. Bob, isn't that everyone's I I isn't that everyone's intention just to run one comrades? Exactly. <laughs> so I think I can I can relate to and I and I am I am Comrades has given me one of the greatest uh, blessings in life, one of the greatest lessons in life because at first comrades I ran in over nine hours. Absolutely, it definitely that broke me. It's, I mean, I was physically wrecked. I really battled. I clawed my, you know, crawled my way to the end. That was the year Fordyce won his first comrades, and he finished uh, three hours ahead of, uh, three and a half hours ahead of me. So uh, that was my introduction to comrades, and it was a life-changing moment. So never at that stage did I ever think I'd actually come back and be competitive and achieve what I subsequently achieved. So as for regrets, I have none whatsoever. Just I have. Just the most amazingly positive uh, experiences, good fortune, and friendships. That's a, on, on Monday this week in Cape Town, Talani Sabisi is with him, my old RAC club mate who uh, won two Irishmen's in uh, 1986. And who flew in at midday on Monday from Colorado for the book launch, Johnny Halbersat, South Africa's most versatile athlete ever, by any measure. And uh, he was a guy who was called a sporting terrorist by the old nationalist apartheid regime because uh, he stood up for the rights of black athletes and, and he was outspoken. So those friendships are never, ever replaced. And, you know, whether it's running with the guys around Bedford this morning where the banter comes uh, faster than the kilometres and you've got to have a good sense of humour and a pretty thick skin 
you know, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful sport. And I think uh, I'll go back to my comment about comrades in the context of South Africa. It's, it's an iconic treasure and it uh, should be preserved as such. I know it's, it's probably impossible to do, but if you have to think back and, and think of your favorite memory of, of running in South Africa in those, in those times, what would it be, Bob? Oh, well, just the, um, well, the training runs on the high felt. You know, you're running through uh, jacaranda line trees and go belting up and down the copies, and, you know, it's just wonderful. The bird calls, you know, just the sheer beauty of Africa and, you know, friendship. That was it. Running and having a hell of a lot of good exercise, a lot of banter, and, you know, you do form. I think Arne Yates in the uh, introduction to my book does hit, hit the nail on the head. Men are not very good at kind of opening up. But when you run long, long enough with a bunch of men, and I mean you could have women, I mean, Sonia Laxton used to run with us, you do form a special kind of bond. And it's a, it's a very honest bond because it's such a simple, naked sport. You know, very, very simple, bar- no, virtually no barriers to entry. And it's just human endeavor and ability. So, uh, and commitment, and a bit of a tough, tough mind. And it's, it's a great... And I've got, I've got, I've got one, absolutely wonderful memories of... Um, in fact, I don't think I have a single bet, apart from my first comrades marathon, it really brutalised me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a great it's a it's a great leveller, isn't it? It's wonderful, absolutely, and that's you know I think it's the you know if you if you blow in the comrades with thirty k to go, you blow. You can't sort of um, limp in or. St- <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it's such a wonderful event, and uh, you know running running. It still continues to uh, give me enormous pleasure. Bob, the book tour, you, you've still got a couple of talks uh, lined up in South Africa over the next few weeks. I know you're going to be doing one uh, at Witz in Johannesburg this week. What, what's, what's on the cards and how can people find out where you're going to be and, and, and what's, uh, what's, what you've got planned? Okay, well, there is a website, um, www.runawaycomrade, and that's one word, so it's just runawaycomrade.com. And the runaway comes from the South African press. When I left in 87, uh, Kit, the late Kit Katzen, who was an investigative journalist, uh, did quite an extensive exit interview on me. And uh, he called me the runaway comrade. So somehow that dropped out as the, you know, it's a sort of a, a subtle play on the comrades marathon, maybe the comrades at the time. So, um, and we're very busy in Johannesburg the whole of next week and then, Comrades Marathon Association on the following Monday, Westville Athletic Club on the Tuesday, East London PE Plet, back to Cape Town, and then uh, uh, Jenny Craze Williams and her book club, which I've been very uh, lucky to uh, to be invited to. And clearly, I have the flexibility to respond to a few other requests uh, before the month is over. Fantastic, Bob. It's it's been amazing chatting. I I have very fond memories of watching you run as a, as a youngster, and it's uh, one of the reasons I started running. So uh, thanks for the memories, and it's great to have you back in South Africa. And I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of the book. Thank you very much, Brad. It's been my absolute pleasure. Just to wrap up, where where can people get uh, get the book? Is it uh, available online? Most most retailers. Yeah, it, well, in Johannesburg and around the country, it's through Sweatshop. Available online, it's via Kindle. But hard copies are available in uh, in South Africa. In fact, all major book stores, if they don't have it, should be able to get it. It's on the national book. It's in a national re- uh, book warehouse and on the register. Blah blah. However, the industry works. So I will be physically just selling them at the various presentations and uh, and functions over the next couple of weeks. But they'll be in the bookstores soon. Excellent stuff. Bob Delamont, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time uh, and enjoy the rest of your stay in South Africa and safe travels back to, to Australia. Thank you very much, Brad.
I'll pop all those links if you want to find out more about those uh, speaking engagement that Bob's got coming up over the next couple of weeks here in South Africa. Uh, I'll pop those links in the show notes for this episode of Run Talk SA. Don't forget as well that our webinar, Comrades Marathon Training Webinar, happening live tonight. Doesn't matter where you are in the world, uh, you can join us. Uh, if you d- can't join us this evening, that's fine. You can catch the video replays uh, and get the audio uh, of that as well. We'll have the transcription up in just uh, a couple of days to following the webinar. All you have to do if you'd like to register, just get to runtalksa.co.za. We look forward to to having you alongside uh, us for that one. It's runtalksa.co.za forward slash comrades. I'm uh, half asleep here, actually. runtalksa.co.za forward slash comrades. That's where you can register. We look forward to chatting a little bit later on from myself, Brad Brown. Until then, it's cheers. Cheers.